0: Welcome to Zero Knowledge, a podcast where we talk about the latest in zero-knowledge research and the decentralized web. The show is hosted by me, Anna.
1: And me, Frederick.
0: In this week's episode, we chat with Josh Cincinnati, the former executive director of the Zcash Foundation, who recently left his position there. We chat about the history of the foundation, the Zcash ecosystem, the challenges of decentralized governance, and more. But before we start in, I want to share an update about the ZK Validator, a project that I've been working on, which is different, but definitely related to the work I do on the podcast. So the ZK Validator started just under a year ago, and the purpose of it is to be a community funded advocacy group for zero knowledge research and privacy tech on the proof of stake networks that we work on. Now, if you have no clue what I'm talking about when I say proof of stake or validator, then do have a listen to an episode from last year that I did with the guys from Bison Trails. Now, Bison Trails is the technology partner of the ZK Validator. And in that conversation, we cover all of those topics and you can actually find the spark that launched this project. Now, unlike most validators, we are not whales ourselves. We are purely community funded and have a singular focus. We think that when it comes to token ownership or bringing existing business on chain, privacy is more than a nice to have. It's an absolute requirement for adoption. And yet it doesn't tend to have the priority it should on these networks. We hope that with the ZK Validator, we can drive this point home. The ZK Validator is currently operational on three networks with a fourth on the horizon. We are now live on Cosmos, Kusama, and as of this month, Polkadot. So Frederick and myself, maybe myself to a lesser degree, but still, uh, we have a long-standing relationship to the Polkadot project, and so it's pretty exciting to see the validator go live there. If you happen to have atoms on Cosmos, KSM on Kusama, dots on Polkadot, and you think privacy matters, you want to see more zero-knowledge proofs integrated throughout these networks and generally want to support the initiative— Head over to the website, zkvalidator.com. I've added the link in the show notes. There you can find instructions on how to stake your tokens to our validator. Just as a side note, usually centralized exchanges will do some sort of staking offer, but those rarely go to independent validators. So you might want to actually set that up yourself if you want to support us. I think it's fair to say that we are the first of our kind in the validator space. And so I hope you will join the ZK Validator initiative. Cool. And now, here is our episode with Josh Cincinnati. So, this week, Frederick and I are catching up with Josh Cincinnati. Welcome to the show, Josh.
2: Welcome. Thanks, Anna. Thanks, Frederick. Yeah, it's great to be here.
0: So, it's been a long while that I've been trying to get you to come on this show. Every time that we kind of talked about it, you were sort of in the middle of something at the Zcash Foundation where you were the executive director. You're always in the middle of something. So you're always like, oh, let's talk after this thing or let's talk (laughs) after that thing. And it didn't end up happening. And so we now have you on the show at a very interesting moment.
2: Yeah. Yeah, Yes, because I have I have nothing going on because I'm no longer the executive (laughs) director of the Zcash Foundation. It's real perfect timing, actually. Um, uh, Yeah. 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 So, yeah, I I think that there's always been and and. In a, in a positive way, there's always been some kind of governance issue that the found the Zcash Foundation has been in, embroiled in the middle of, um, and and the reason I say it's all positive is because I think they've generally resolved themselves in a way that. I certainly have always felt pretty good about. Um, and I think that the broader Zcash community felt good about. The problem and part of why I'm no longer uh, the executive director of the Zcash Foundation is that that process itself, when you're in that position, can be quite exhausting. Um, it Understand. can take a lot out of
1: it. Mean, it's it's so. sort of the point of, of a foundation <laughs> to be embroiled in governance uh, debates. So it, I mean, yeah. it's understandable yeah, that's, right that that that's the case.
0: <laughs> yeah. So... Before we dive into what's going on now, mm-hmm. we actually want to cover in this episode a little bit more about, like, I mean, I think the the goal is to like dive into the foundation itself. We never, I mean, we had Henry DeValens on. Oh yeah, and he did yeah, talk yeah, about great. like the research team mm-hmm. uh, of the Zcash Foundation.
1: We'd had Amber on before that. It would be interesting for me to hear a little bit about what you did before the foundation because. I've interacted with you, I don't know, when we first started talking over a year, year and a half ago, but I've always mm-hmm. just known you as the executive director at the foundation. I don't know much else about you. So it would be interesting to see or to hear a little bit more about your history.
2: Yeah, yeah. So um, I am terrible at being succinct, which is ironic given the focus on succinctness in my role now, but I will I will do my best um, to to summarize. So I... I, I'm kind of an odd one in, in this field because I actually, I went to business school and I don't like to talk about it because I didn't like Same. business school. Yeah. <laughs> it was not not fun for me. I, totally not. I hated it. Um, I mean, I met some, there were some wonderful people I met and it was like that, the, some of those people were, were great, but like the the majority of the experience was not fun. Uh, and I graduated in 2009. So pro tip. Don't ever graduate in 2009 uh, from business school. Not a great time to do that. But I I actually originally, um, I was very interested in digital media. I had had gone to business school straight out of undergrad, ostensibly because I had done a a video podcast in 2005 to 2007 at my undergraduate, uh, uh, during my undergraduate time. And it was really cool. Like I, I built this thing from the ground up. It was one of the first video podcasts listed on iTunes back when such a thing was possible.
0: Oh my God. Yeah, it
2: was really it was really fun. And uh and I, I really enjoyed it and I wanted to figure out like how to, you know, get more involved in that. Um, but I also had a math background in undergrad and a politics background. Uh, which is important for understanding, I guess, more of what prime me to get interested in this particular industry. So I, I, I ended up going actually working at the Washington Post after business school uh, for about two years, doing like business development and product management there. And then I caught the startup bug and I was like, I want to make my own digital media thing. So I, I went and uh, joined and uh, co-founded an application, an, an Android application uh startup that wasn't really it was it was sort of ad focused and I didn't really like ads very much so it was confusing as to why I was doing that. But and this this all ties in, I swear, I swear to God, it ties into like me actually entering into this field. I had the very good fortune of hiring an Android application developer who was one of the like earliest members on the Bitcoin talk forums. And I, I think there's like of people in this field. There's all of us who were, you know. There's a question of like, when were you radicalized? And for me, it was like, it was partially the Slashdot article that came out like in 2010, 2011 uh, about Bitcoin. But, but that I, I kind of viewed it as sort of silly and no, like Bitcoin's just drug money or something. There's nothing interesting here. And then I met. Uh, This engineer who I had the good fortune of hiring, and he actually became much more of a mentor to me in understanding the ethos uh, behind Bitcoin, uh, like in 2012, 2013. Uh, Unfortunately, I was straddled with uh, student debt and uh, quite poor trying to do a startup on a shoestring budget. So I didn't really get to like have a lot of positive exposure to Bitcoin uh, in a financial sense, but I definitely got exposed to the ethos and the technology and the economic incentives behind it. And I was immediately like, I was just, this is, this is the future and I have to be involved in this. Um, so the startup failed as it often, as those things often do, but that experience with that engineer was really like impactful for me. And it led me to, um, to be basically pursuing a very different kind of career. And so I, as a result, like I wound up, um, joining BlockCypher uh, as their second employee focused on uh, developer advocacy. So I was a developer advocate uh, mm-hmm. and did that for, for two years. And, uh, and that was great. I mean, I, I, I learned a lot about the ecosystem from the perspective of like a Silicon Valley startup. Uh, Love the team that I worked with. Uh, but then they were, you know, sort of moving toward a different direction uh, when I was leaving. They were more interested in enterprise stuff. And that was not as, you know, interesting to me. Uh, so I kind of took a break from crypto and went and and worked at Lyft to be a developer advocate at Lyft for for a year. Uh, And it was during that period when I was taking the break that uh, I was approached by uh, Andrew Miller to help set up the Zcash Foundation. And it was sort of a a side job for me while I was at Lyft. Um, But in that process, uh, you know, I became more and more interested in the work and I, I became much more sensitive to the privacy issues that surround blockchains today and was uh, really excited about the prospect of like actually building the organization out full time, and that's what wow. led to me becoming uh, executive director of the Zcash Foundation.
0: I wonder, like that beginning story of the Zcash Foundation. I'm kind of trying to figure out when was that? Like, was the e was the ECC or at the time the Zcash Company, the Electric Coin Company? Was that was that already done? Yeah. Was it?
2: Yeah, that was what. So, so the foundation was really something that was crafted, um, after the fact. Uh, so after, you know, the, 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 Zcash history and granted a lot of the early stuff I'm not as familiar with, um, because I really got more involved in 2017, okay. but my understanding is there was the zero coin paper that was then, uh, improved by a bunch of researchers into the zero cash paper. The zero cash paper was the basis for, uh, Zcash and it was, uh, effectively Zcash as a project, uh, began when those researchers, uh, partnered with the group that would become the electric coin company to create Zcash. And, uh, I thought, you know, especially as an outsider looking in, I thought that the, uh, bootstrap model, uh, behind the ECC and the, you know, the investment and the way that they carved out this founder's reward was actually like quite elegant and fair relative to other, you know, other models that were prominent at that time, um, namely like pre mines. <laughs> Um, so so I, I thought that was like quite well done and and honestly, like a pretty good trade off. although I now have very different feelings about dev funds, which we can talk yeah. about later. Um, but, yeah, you know, I, I mean, I, I was I was really impressed with what they were doing. And there was a collection of individuals that were beneficiaries of the founders reward that understood um, that having a singular group basically have unilateral control over the development of uh, a protocol is, is bad long-term. And so they uh, made pledges to donate a a significant portion of uh, the founder's reward that they received to set up a nonprofit. And I think, and again, my, I I joined in like August, 2017, um, you know, part-time, but my, my understanding is I think the foundation was first formed as like an entity in March of 2017 And it had like a, um, you know, a bootstrap board of, I think, I I can't exactly remember the the ordering correctly of who joined when, but it was basically like, I think Matt, uh, Matt may have joined later. It may have been like Andrew, Peter and Naval. I'm not sure. Uh, I don't, I don't recall like exactly who joined at one point, but it may have been Matt. Andrew and Peter, I don't know, but in any event, at that point, it was a three-person board with an entity that hadn't really been fully formed, hadn't even gotten nonprofit status from the IRS yet. That letter came, I think, right when I joined, like, uh, or soon after that, it was established as a nonprofit, and then I began in earnest uh, around that period to try and set it up into like uh, a real organization that was. At that point, not it, the the view wasn't really that it would be a counterbalance uh, to the ECC. But then that vision kind of took over mm. um, uh, in in twenty eighteen as I as I took on more of or more of the reins. So yeah, that's like uh, that's a bit of the of like the foundation yeah. history
1: uh, in in a nutshell. What's the significance of getting that nonprofit status? Like, what does that actually mean for the organization?
2: Yeah, I, well, so one, one thing that it means um, anyone because it's a five hundred one c three, even though we were getting donations from these these fr recipients, we could get donations from other folks, individuals or businesses, uh, and they would be tax deductible, which is nice. Um, the other piece that I think is kind of important is like um, in a nonprofit structure, there aren't any like owners of the entity. It's uh, it's an organization that is basically structured to further its own mission. And uh, the stakeholders can be basically, it doesn't have to be just shareholders because there are no shareholders. It, it can be broader community members. Um, and the board has a fiduciary duty to whoever those stake- stakeholders uh, you know, are, are, are meant to be. Um, and then I think the other thing that's actually quite critical, and, and granted, there are lots of private companies that do a good job of Providing like transparency reports and being open about the way that they're spending their money. But in the nonprofit context, in order to maintain your nonprofit status in the U.S., you have to be much, much more public about how you're spending your money, where that money goes. Uh, there's something called a Form 990 in the U.S. that you're required to file um, every year as a 501c3 nonprofit, and uh, the foundation's then operations director, now just director, uh, who's eminently talented Anthony Hodge uh, she she uh, understood that she was my first hire and is the one that helped set up uh, all of our sort of reporting to the IRS and and really d- handled that uh, quite beautifully but but it's something that like we you have to be public about uh, and if unlike I think a lot of places where and granted some nonprofits still do a good job of hiding a lot of what they're doing but that was definitely not my mo. And I, I think it's harder to engage in what people would call creative accounting uh, when you are forced to uh, pr- you know provide uh, that information to the IRS and, and publicly. yeah uh, mm. so 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 yeah that, I think that was those were a bunch of the, the big differences. I definitely like for, for me it was the first time I'd worked in a nonprofit actually, but it was very refreshing um, because it felt like we had a very clear-cut mission. And we could focus on that mission and really like have more long-term thinking about the way that we were going to operate and build the org. We weren't focused on hyper growth. Mm. We weren't focused on marketing Zcash. Uh, we were focused on supporting the ecosystem, filling the gaps uh, that we thought, you know, existed, and then building our own homegrown research team to provide, you know, alternative software for people to use outside of the software that's provided by the ECC. Um, and, and so it's like, it's it's really like nice to have that kind of focus uh, in, in an organization.
0: One thing that I found interesting about the Zcash Foundation with its dev team model is that the foundation's actually based in the U.S., because you see all of these other teams where they'll have a foundation as well, and they're based in Switzerland. Was that even a thought? Do you know? I mean, I know that you weren't necessarily there at the decision-making moment, but like, was there a reason they made it in the U.S.?
2: Actually, well, so part of it is I, I think that the um, there was a bit of momentum there, right? Like, because the ECC was established as a U.S.-based company, um, and so I think there was like part of the reason is that so many people that were interested in establishing the foundation were associated with the ECC. They knew how to go about setting up US based entities they didn't want to like mess with that but even if i hadn't been you know in- involved i would have pushed for it being a US based entity because i think there's i don't know if this is universally true but i think there is something that at least there's a perception that US based nonprofits have a, a higher threshold for um for transparency compared to uh, other international uh nonprofits and it, I don't know it's like kind of weird for me to say that when the nonprofit that I was involved with is focused very deeply on privacy um but but the privacy it's it's you know i i know I've heard someone in the ethereum community say this and uh, I think they were uh maybe paraphrasing someone else but it's it's this idea of um and i I feel bad I can't credit them with this i can't remember who it was but it was something like privacy for individuals but you know transparency for institutions uh, organizations oh, yeah. institutions yeah 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 and it's and it's like that that is the right balance here uh and to me anyway it felt like you know having the um Zcash foundation be a US based um nonprofit uh, kind of forces us to be uh, to hold ourselves to a higher standard um mm-hmm. and and I know that that's not again that's not universally true there's some US nonprofits that are extremely sketchy uh, that do sketchy things. Uh, there are some com- comparatively. There's some, you know, Swiss or other international nonprofits that are way more above board than those. So, I, you know, that's mm-hmm. just that's not a uh, not a universal rule. But, but I think there is like a general expectation.
1: I think the main thing would be that it's it's different. I mean that 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 alone is sets a sort of tone. Why is it different? And like you you think about it a little bit more. I mean because like the the majority of foundations that i know of they're all swiss based and mm. this like if you're actually a nonprofit in switzerland like it, the regulation is crazy as well like you you have it's super tra- like transparency oriented the the thing is almost no no like cryptocurrency foundations in switzerland are nonprofits mm. <laughs> they're ah. a different class of <laughs> Organization that isn't a nonprofit organization. It also isn't like a for profit private company, but it's this middle thing. And uh, going with the nonprofit status is, I mean, uh, like you're talking about, it's a signal of, of trust that it's i mean it, it doesn't really matter how much transparency is there or not i mean it's just like we're trying <laughs> it's that signal um yeah
2: yeah yeah, yeah. that's a, that's a great that's a great point like i that that is uh, i think part of what entered into the equation to the people deciding to go to to go this route and it's i mean i i know nothing about swiss nonprofits profits or swiss for profits but it does not surprise me that there would be many um many cryptocurrency orgs that would decide to find the <laughs> the status that would enable them to operate uh, with maybe a maximal amount of mm. opacity. And and like, sometimes there's, there's reason for that. Like I, I'm not, not to cast, uh, you know, aspersions on, on everyone who's doing that. I think a lot of the times it's like, you want you, some, some people want control and want that privacy in the way that they uh, handle, you know, their organizations and like, uh, Oftentimes, it sort of provides meaningful benefit um, for them to make decisions that look short-term bad for their community, maybe, but are long-term mm, yeah. good. So, like, I, I I see the trade-off. But
1: there's another thing too that is um, that sets the Zcash Foundation apart in that the foundation was created after the token was created, and in many foundations, the the foundation is created as a legal protection entity. Because, I mean, Mm. if we take Switzerland as an example, they have clear regulation around what you're allowed to do. The U.S. does not. And so if you're an entity launching a token in the U.S., you're living under extreme uncertainty. If you're a Swiss entity launching a token, it's still uncertain, but much less so. (laughs) And so because the token was already launched, the foundation doesn't have to worry about that. It's not going to get under the foot of the SEC because it's, you know, trying to, defraud investors or anything like it's that that all that is already done
0: <laughs> not the defrauding part but yeah <laughs> i hope <laughs> um yeah, yeah
1: yeah um
0: but yeah you know there's there's there is i
2: think um you know there, there is still some risk there though you know because there's always like even with uh, uh ethereum you know which now seems very strongly in the not a security camp but that wasn't always the case you know uh, yeah. uh initially. Um, and, and I think like, you know, there was, there was a little bit of like unknown or uncertain potential outcomes, even with the foundation being established after the fact. But I think part of the motivation for creating it, uh, was in fact to set precedent that yes, you can have a cryptocurrency focused US based nonprofit mm. operating in good faith. Uh, executing on its mission and doing, you know, doing all the right things, and this was an opportunity to demonstrate that too, you know. So, I, I mean, I can't. I, I know that there are other there are other cryptocurrency nonprofits that existed before the Zcash Foundation, but it may have been one of the first 501c3s. And Don't maybe quote me one on of that, the
0: but. most well known, at least in our community. Yeah, the, the, the Zero Knowledge Podcast community. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Let's So let's talk a little bit more about Zcash and that ecosystem. Sure. Uh, as Frederick mentioned, we have had a few people on who did talk about like a little bit of governance. We've had a number of engineers from the ECC come on and talk about various protocols. We've had Zuko on. I did an event episode on Zcon Zero yeah. where you sadly were not at. I know. But I, I had a chance to interview a number of people who are participating, kind of like trying to get a sense of the vibe that was happening there. It feels like a very long time ago now. It's wild, yeah. um, <laughs> and I'll add. By the way, I'll add all of this in the show notes for anyone who wants to listen to some of those other episodes. But I guess, like from your perspective, what is Zcash actually?
2: That is that is a great question. Uh, so for for me, like Zcash is the the uh, it's it's the exit option for people who demand privacy. Uh, in, in crypto systems. So it's if you're, you know, if you, if you require payment rails or re- require a way to obfuscate your payments, uh, Zcash is, is the way to do it. And it's backed by uh, not just, you know, proof of work mining, but the fact that there is like a robust governance structure that so far has, I think, prevented any anyone from having you know, overwhelming power to change the direction of the protocol and, and further backed by some of those brilliant engineers that you've had on both from the ECC and, and the Zcash foundation that are like very much aligned with improving, uh, the fundamental protocol and privacy as a whole in, in cryptocurrency mm-hmm. systems. And that's like, uh, you know, some of that, I think vision is maybe aspirational because it's, it's still not very easy to um, trustlessly uh, get directly onto Zcash, and obviously, like there are lots of people who have various opinions about. I I hate transparent addresses. I hate that they exist. I I really would prefer that they didn't. But then again, like that's the convenient mechanism for people. Like I even for for this podcast. The donation address listed for Zcash. We don't is a have the, hidden one, which is the,
0: the Yeah. Which is totally fair. Hidden ones. I've I've had one request to get those. Yeah. And I actually started to do the research into the wallets. And you can probably help me set <laughs> this up. I just I just haven't well, gotten around to setting it up. Yeah. But I should. Yeah but, yeah,
2: but and there's and you know, I I I think people have different perspectives on this, but that is something that like so part of that vision that I, I I've or my view of what Zcash should be is indeed informed by things that don't like, there's not really great shielded infrastructure yet for things like multi-sig or hardware wallets Um, and only recently light wallets, which was sort of a combined effort from the ECC building their light, their light client uh, library. um, And then from the foundation supporting one of the uh, biggest now multi-platform Zcash wallets around uh, uh, Aditya's uh, uh, work, which has just been phenomenal um Zec Wallet and Zec Wallet Light. Um mm. so, so you know, there's there are pieces that still don't exist to make that sort of fully shielded um reality a thing. And then on top of that, like some of those pieces that don't exist uh are preventing uh Zcash from having sort of seamless, trustless swaps with other assets in places like uh Ethereum, Cosmos, Polkadot, like there there's all this opportunity to en- engage in trustless private swaps that doesn't quite exist yet. We are sorry, I can't say we anymore cuz I'm not <laughs> on the foundation. Uh but the foundation <laughs> would very much love to see that happen. Um uh yeah, I I um, I honestly I do you know to be to be blunt about the governance side of Zcash. I know you didn't ask this question, but I did not expect my job to revolve around governance crises <laughs> when I joined. I expected it to be. oh, I'm setting up like uh, a nonprofit focused on uh, zero knowledge and privacy research, and I was going to like build the team, uh, and then I have to do like a little. We're, we're kind of like an arbiter for some governance decisions, so I'll just have to do a little bit of that. But that wound up becoming something like seventy or eighty percent of my job, um, wow. which was which was sort of surprising. Um, and and I think you know there there are sort of crisis moments that we had um, that I can talk about at length, uh, that, that that's what elevated that, uh, you, you know, or what, what escalated, um, or made, you know, made more prominent. I don't know, but, but there's, there's definitely like, it was sort of unexpected. Um, but the, the, I think the positive conclusion to that is as a result of all that effort, I think Zcash now is viewed as having a much more like robust governance process than, uh, certainly than before. Yeah. Certainly before the foundation existed.
0: So you've just hinted at it a few times, this governance process, the fact that you, you know, had to get more involved in the governance than you expected. Mm -hmm. And at least from the outside perspective, it looked like at the core of this kind of governance debate, at least one of them was this dev fund. Yeah. And this was the founder's reward and like how it was distributed out. Let's learn a little bit more about this founder's reward. And what that was, yeah. what it was set up to do,
2: yeah. So um, the founders' reward, and and I might not be the best resource for talking about the founders' reward since it was established, you know, before before I joined and everything. But like the idea behind the founders' reward, I think for a lot of people in the Zcash ecosystem, especially in 2016, 2017 when it launched, was this was a bootstrapping mechanism to um, support the people that were taking a risk to launch Zcash and to support the uh, companies and early or the company and the early employees of that company that were uh, similarly taking like, you know, personal risk and in trying to build this out. And, you know, the foundation was obviously a beneficiary of the founders award uh, because there were a group of people uh, in those early risk takers that decided to pledge a very significant portion uh, initially 260,000 zec over 4 years but then uh that was uh, uh reduced to 220 230 i think i think 220,000 zec over 4 years instead and the reason so part of that is the uh, the reason there was that dilution is that there was this uh i think renegotiation of the founders reward among all of those recipients to bolster the ECC's treasury uh, and that's why, like, the foundation wound up with like slightly, slightly less. So, so one of the things that has been like clear in 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 Zcash is like the ECC is the is the like prime entity that's doing the majority of research and development, um, or or at least was, I would say, two thousand sixteen to 2018, 19, You know, uh, and then the foundation started getting more involved, and we've now got this like you know, world-class engineering team that's about to ship like, a, uh, you know, and Henry, Henry talked about it on, on, on that show, but like, you know, there's, there's like a lot more work that the foundation is doing in that regard, but that wasn't really true. I think when people started considering like, well, what are we going to do when the found, founder's reward runs out? Because it was not, the founder's reward initially was not conceived as a revenue source for the ECC or really as a funding source for the foundation, it was a reward mechanism to bootstrap the ecosystem and one that like was targeted to the the people that were taking the risk to support it early on. Um, but in a, you know, unlike a, a pre-mine or something else, it was a sort of vested like, um you know, uh, there's a longer term, you know, uh, like time locked aspect of it. Um, since since you didn't get access to those coins immediately,
0: so you arrived two years. When when did it start? When was that four year period?
2: Uh, so it started. Zcash launched October twenty sixteen, and so the founders' reward was you know um, minting minting coins at that point. And there was also so Zcash had a slow um, emission startup too. So it was actually like. And I don't, again, I don't know the exact formula because I was not deep in the code. But the, like, actual mining reward started out much smaller than the, you know, current mining reward. Um, Okay. uh, But it does otherwise follow the same Bitcoin reward schedule. So halves every four years. And
0: And this was set for four years, starting from that point in October, getting increasingly large. Mm -hmm. And you joined in 2000. So you joined about, like, nine months or... Ten months after it started, yeah. mm-hmm. and you started this found You started working on the foundation, and then at some point, mm-hmm. everybody realized, I guess, that this was going to end.
2: Yes, yeah. So, so, was that
0: the first big problem or battle, or was it well, more like? Was there something before then?
2: There was something slightly before then that was actually not even that much of a, a conflict. It was more of a, um, it was more of a. Oh, the foundation was losing. Uh, board members. So two board members left uh, and it was right before ZCon Zero, um, actually. And uh, we viewed it as an opportunity to like, oh, well, let's, let's try and like create an avenue for more community input. So it was that summer. And again, not as much of a crisis, but more of a, let's figure out how to like involve more community members in foundation governance and make the foundation more of a voice of the community. And the way that we did that is we established what was then called the Community Governance Panel, now called the Community Advisory Panel. And anyone in the Zcash community could be a part of it. They just had to email us and we reserved the right to like reject anyone that seemed to be an outright scammer. And we only had to reject two people. Uh, and I don't want to call them out, but you can look it up. It's on GitHub. It's pretty funny <laughs> who we rejected. But in any event, um, like th- everyone else was included in that panel that wanted to be. And, and then on top of that, Anyone outside of the Zcash community could open up a GitHub, you know, pull request to establish their candidacy for the board uh, of the Zcash Foundation, and, and we wound up. I, I think maybe we got like ten to twelve candidates, maybe uh, uh, exact numbers fail me, but we ended up electing uh, Amber and uh, and Ian, and uh, it was an advisory vote. But obviously, Ian and Amber are, like, wonderful people to be on the board. The existing Zcash Foundation board had no problem affirming the community's recommendation. And, you know, they voted them in. Uh, so that was, like, the first, like, kind of governance experience, I think, we we had on the foundation side. And that, like, uh, advisory panel and the positive results of it, I think, informed how we approached the future crises.
0: When did the actual, like, when did this even come up? Like, I remember you actually explaining something to me, I think it was like in Japan, mm. DevCon or something like that. But yeah, you yeah. were saying that like a lot of the decision making for this fund, for this four-year plan would mm. actually have to happen a year before the end of it. Yeah. Or something like that. There was like this this longer, You had to, you actually had to start a bit earlier in on this conversation.
2: Yeah, I think part, part of the reason, um, for that was that there is, there is a network upgrade pipeline process that defines, um, how Zcash hard fork upgrades work. Um, and it involved, it was sort of established by the ECC, uh, and involved, it involves like a number of steps that take a lot of time to start in order to like feel comfortable with engaging in a hard fork. And it's, you know, there's, there's a lot of, um, I think that it was crafted with caution in mind, uh, but it coincidentally, um, it it also, I think, demanded that we start talking about this sooner than I think a lot of people expected it would be talked about. The other piece that I think is important uh, to consider, especially when talking about a new dev fund that people were not anticipating, is you have to think about like the minor life cycle and- how they view, you know, prospective profit as a proof of work minor. Um, So if you give them a weak warning that, hey, you're going to get 20% less than what you expected because the community, you know, has voted for this new dev fund, that would be very bad. Right. And that would, that would be problematic for any number of reasons. Whereas like, if you're telling everyone a year in advance that like, hey, just FYI, and, and to say you're telling anyone is not really accurate. It's more like there's going to be this piece of software that lots of people choose to run that affirms that this is the hard fork upgrade of Zcash and, and so on. <laughs> so like, you know, I have to be careful about what what is actually being said or delivered there. But in any event, like if it's clear that there is an upgrade that includes a dev fund uh, and miners know about it a year in advance... Then they won't be nearly as upset because it won't be lost revenue for them because there are going to be new ASICs out at that point that have different, you know, and they're going to have the completely, like it's sort of unknown, like trying to even plan cash flow and profit at that period anyway. So it's 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 much more accommodating to uh, the people securing your network to be upfront and and open about the fact that something like that was going to happen uh, yeah. with lots give of them time. time to prep. give them time to prep. Yeah. So, I think that was also a big motivation. I don't I can't really pinpoint exactly when I heard about the possibility for a new dev fund. I will say that it seems like I heard rumors of people being interested in such a thing before the first public form mention of it. Okay. um and I gotta be honest, I didn't like hearing rumors about it before the first public form mention. I don't think that is really. Great. Like if I think if people were interested in carving that path out, they should have been more public and open about it earlier on personally.
0: ah. So Um, I think what you're what what I hear is a little bit like there was rumbling, like there was sort of mm a a plan of forming Mm -hmm. and it wasn't necessarily completely with the community involved in that part.
2: Yeah. I I mean, I think the community became very involved soon after that. But certainly prior to that, it seemed like it was more of a closed door process that was not very open, That even the initiation of such a thing.
1: I think that's natural, though, where, I mean, the people involved, like the people who would be proposing this, if they can't agree amongst each other that this should be proposed, like it's obviously dangerous to go out with it in public. As soon as you say anything in public, it's like, oh, this is going to happen. This is what they're pushing for. And then if if someone puts out, like if, I don't know, Zuko put out an idea like, hey, maybe we should have that. And then other Zcash engineers chime in and say, no, we probably shouldn't, or this or that. It looks, I mean, it's it's weird in that internal sense. It might make sense from a public sense, but it's, I can totally understand wanting to get aligned with your friends first and then proposing something coherent together rather than like, uh, we're going to have this whole, you know, internal debate <laughs> in public as well. But um, I
0: wonder, it sounds I, I, like I mean, I
1: think you're right at the end of the day it should should be in public, but it's I can understand it's super hard it to. It sounds do
0: that. a little bit like Josh, you have like It sounds like like your philosophy of transparency is very present here. Where you like cuz do you not also agree with that the fact that like maybe having that debate in public would have actually been messier?
2: Oh, yeah, but it wound up being messy anyway, I guess. like So so it wound up being messy anyway. And uh, my, my view is, like, if I had been the originator of an additional dev fund and I had talked to a number of people beforehand about how they feel and whether they would support that publicly, and then uh, someone out of, you know, out of the woodwork of those conversations, someone publicly suggests it. I would feel disingenuous about that series of events. Now other I think other people wouldn't right and that's that's like you know that's a difference of opinion um, and and I see like Frederick, I, I see the point that you were making, right that that there is an importance about like internal alignment like within a given organization and the like. but you know I, I think that the the foundation like really didn't start considering the possibility of the dev fund. I can tell you at least from like board discussions that, that were happening at the time. And, and those are like, also like, you know, we have some limited board notes that are available that people can see, but like, we didn't really even think about it until those public. Like a uh, discussions started happening and then the, the board. So all of this was happening in parallel, by the way. So <laughs> there's another wrinkle to this. So regardless, like this is sort of orthogonal, but important uh, when considering the dev fund that like, Uh, At that point, like 2018 to 2019 was when this sort of vision of like two of two multi-sig governance came to be where there would be this like shared affirmation of like what Zcash is between the foundation and the ECC. Um, And even actually at like uh, DevCon 4, I think I I made a big presentation about it where I sort of like tried to articulate my view of how Zcash governance should go forward. And a centerpiece of that vision was this idea that there would be shared uh some kind of novel shared trademark
0: mm-hmm. uh
2: between the foundation and the ECC.
0: I remember uh, that.
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and, and so it was it like that was that was a keystone of this plan. And the other the other piece of it as as uh, uh, Frederick knows is like we wanted the foundation to have independent developed node software that uh, so there's the sort of like, there's the legal, you know, uh, the legal affirmation of that two of two multi sig model. And then there's a like practical, real politic. We have a node where we like have more control over the upgrade and development process. And, you know, there would be sort of the shared network infrastructure then.
0: Yeah. And here you're talking about the Zebra client, which yes. is, mm-hmm. was originally. Developed by the parody team, just mm-hmm. so that's the connection. It was developed by the parody team and then sort of handed over to the foundation yep. to maintain and continue building on built in yeah. Rust. Yep, yeah, yeah. And there's did I, I mean, get it right? <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And there's like you know the the current zebra client is like um, uh, like a, a, a new a new code base entirely, uh, just because there've been like advances in Rust since the. Uh, you know the original Zebra client was developed by Parity, but
1: original Bitcoin client, yeah, the
2: original and the original Bitcoin client. But like Parity showed us the way, and and like we're very very grateful that uh, the, the Zcash Foundation is very grateful that we had that opportunity.
1: And like the the node, as you say, I always found this interesting in the Ethereum debates that are going on. There's so few people who realize who actually has power, <laughs> and and mm-hmm. the people who actually have power are the ones that are in control of the software. And mm-hmm. it is not only the devs who are in control of the software. There are also, you know, community aspects to that and and there's there's you know, it it's multifaceted in itself. But like at the very end of the day, if the foundation disagreed with a zip, the only tool it would have to oppose that would be to release another client without that zip implemented. Mhm. Like that practically, that's the only thing that you could actually do. Yep. And so if you didn't have any sort of node or any technical ability to do that, then obviously you you couldn't actually practically oppose anything.
2: That That's right. And like the, the, the legal, the sort of legal trademark thing is really, um. I, I mean, it's, it's still, it's like somewhat important for if you're interacting with like US-based exchanges and you want to tell them, no, you can't call that Zcash because we haven't agreed on this, you know, hard fork upgrade, like that has some power. But I think it, you're right, Frederick, that it doesn't really. The real power is in the software that's being run, the development process around that software, who controls what upgrades get into that software, and and never has that been more clear than like in the ensuing dev fund debate, um, where it was actually like a prominent enough upgrade. That either the ECC or the foundation would not have been able to sneak in Mm -hmm. like that zip without broad, you know, like we could be like, yeah, 100% of the foundation. Like that (laughs) would that, no, that would not have worked and feel pretty terrible to do that, I think. Because it Um, was
0: the dev fund. And just to kind of like clarify that, the dev fund was hard coded into the, like the way mining rewards are hard coded Mm -hmm. into a blockchain. The dev fund allocation was also hard coded. And so you would have needed... You need to have some sort of agreement, I guess, or someone to push that into the code base itself.
2: yeah yeah, yeah. and 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 so yeah, there was a, I, I know I've, I've uh, if I had a podcast I think it would be called tangents because I get on so many of them. <laughs> um, uh, so I apologize but the but there's there's reason to talk about this like the reason the foundation wanted a node and this trademark piece, right because we or when I was at the foundation, we uh, believed in this vision of two two multi-sig. Um, And that became like really clear and important in this ensuing debate. So, okay, we we have that trademark agreement, but that agreement actually hasn't been struck yet. It was still being sort of uh, envisioned and articulated in late 2018. There was ongoing negotiation between the ECC and the foundation to try and establish that trademark agreement. Uh, I should note that initially the original vision for the trademark was that it would just be donated to the foundation, but- Uh, I think both the foundation and the ECC saw this two of two multi-sig opportunity as being more robust than simply like the foundation having unilateral control over the mark. Um, Okay, so that's all set up. Dev fund discussion starts in earnest in May, June, and you get get to see all these people talking about like, what should we do? How should we, you know, what what are, you know, we should maybe have a dev fund because uh, clearly like... There are needs for further development and maintenance, and uh, it's an opportunity to maybe expand the, uh, you know, who gets what funding. Um, but then we at the foundation at the time, like, we were still mulling, like, what our approach would be. Should we even accept a dev fund? Like, this seems like, like, I, I got to be honest, um, and I'm, I'm very happy with the outcome, just to be clear. That said, like, I think the community's outcome far diverges from my own personal preference which would have been no dev fund, wow. whatsoever. I was actually on the hawkish, you know, hawkish side of uh, of the of the spectrum uh, when discussing this internally in the foundation. Because when I started using Zcash as a community member, it was my understanding I, I felt like there was this implicit view uh, that the founders' reward was basically like the um, you know the bootstrapping mechanism. It was not a like endless supply of native asset for either you know a particular company or a foundation or any other entity it was or like a you know a dow treasury or anything like it was just it was there to set things up and then it would just be sort of free market rain and mm. see you know see what happens um and you know i ended up being somewhat practic- practically like overruled because there was community um a very strong community contingent, which makes sense. And I should be overruled if that was the case. But then, you know, there's also this, uh, I I think the research that the uh, ECC engineering team is doing uh, is really important and critical to critical to furthering, not just Zcash, but other privacy research. Uh, And then, you know, on the foundation side, there's an argument to be made that like the work that we were ramping up to do and especially i think with the release of zebra once that comes out um uh and and the various other ways that we're contributing to privacy like one could make the argument that like that's you know really worthwhile and worth uh continuing on and changing the social contract a bit um however as you may have seen from like my farewell letter i don't think that people involved in architecting those processes should be beneficiaries of them but that's Mm. uh that's another sort of That's another angle, uh, another angle there. Let's yeah.
0: understand. Let's map out a little bit mm. what was going on here. So you sort of yeah. said you put yourself in this hawkish camp that you felt like as a as a community member, you saw this as sort of a temporary bootstrap mechanism. Yeah. But what was like? Were there other? Maybe we can describe what were the other kind of camps into? Like what? How did yeah. they? Uh,
1: oh. I'm really curious to hear. Especially because, I mean, I was following some of the debates. And there's obviously pro and and con, and like there's clearly two camps for an EAST. And they have various arguments of various quality. One thing that I, I think, like from my impression, everyone seems to agree that people should get paid for their work. The ECC is doing valuable work for zcash i mean both in terms of direct like now ongoing development work on the client as well as the research to like shard it and do like scalability work and all this stuff in the future but at the core it's like people should get paid for their work but there was in the like against camp there were these super weird arguments of like oh, but they already got their money. They should have been done by now with that money. Like, if they're not done, they're incompetent and they shouldn't get more money. <laughs> and then in the pro camp, it's like, oh, no, we need to just sh- give as much money to these people as possible because the entire future of the-, the coin relies on them. And what's the spectrum? Like, speaking about these camps, I don't think it's j- interesting to say just like there were people for or against. But, like, what what are the complaints? Like, why do... Why are people opposed? I mean, is it a political thing, or is it that they actually think that you know they they want to get more for their money? Well, you know I, I actually so
2: part of I, I can tell you from like one extreme of that spectrum, which was me uh, as as a personal community member, not a not a representative of the foundation, uh, my opposition was about like it, more on the implicit social contract side and and, le- and less about like you know that they should be done. Right. It's more that like when this was sort of established, it seemed like and there was never, of course, an explicit promise made, but it seemed like there was an implicit promise that the founders reward would be it. And, and honestly, like I think people from the ECC would probably point at the way that I ran the foundation as being too conservative and not willing to spend as much money as as rapidly. But one could make the argument that the ECC for all of the, you know, Beneficial research that they've that they've done and everything that they've done to support Zcash. There are a lot of ways in which uh, I think they maybe have not spent money as effectively as they could have, right? And I think that was the the strongest argument against from a purely like practical perspective is like, what is the mechanism by which you can enforce fiduciary discipline? And at least on the foundation side, um, you know, my perspective while I was there was that, well, we have a a board. I answer Mm -hmm. to that board. If I spend money in a bad way, the board is going to let me go. Like uh, that's, you know, I I resigned. They didn't fire me, just to be (laughs) clear. Um, But uh, so that didn't happen, I don't think. Uh, but, But still, there's like this checks and balances, whereas especially for the first part of the ECC's um, existence, you know, it was a private company, w- and, and it was their right to keep that private. But they're operating in a very different environment than most private companies, and uh, I think that there was legitimate concern about the way uh, that money was being spent. And so, so I, I think that what you actually wind up seeing, and I, I'm really, uh, it's it's something that maybe now is sort of under the radar. But I'm really proud of the stance that the foundation took in August of 2018. Uh, or uh, sorry, was it? No, 2019, 2019, sorry, 2019. Yeah. So I, I might be mistaking my, um. so sorry, it was 2019. Uh, so like May 2019 is when this sort of started. August 2019 is when the foundation made, you know, made the statement. Um, and that statement literally took like so much corralling of all of the members of the foundation board of understanding where the community was. And it was, uh, I, I think, quite a, a like an, an elegant sort of response about the, uh you know, people who people wanted there to be a dev fund, the foundation took the stance of like, okay, you know what? We can see that working. Here are the ways in which we would like to judge community sentiment for accepting it. And here are the things that the foundation wants to ensure that there will be like fiscal discipline and transparency for the people that wind up accepting the dev fund. Mm-hmm. And, you know, again, I personally would have preferred no dev fund at all, but that con- that sort of conclusion about, Here are the things that we like would like to see happen on the ECC or on any like proposal and, you know, proposal for funding them and funding the foundation and funding any outside group. Here's how we would like to, to go about doing that. And, and then also here are the three ways. So we had three different methods of collecting community sentiment that we were going to use to inform the foundation's input into the trademark agreement that had not yet been signed at that point, um, which is a key part to this chaotic struggle. Uh, I, I really, I, and, and you, maybe, maybe it's something you could add as a link because I, I actually really proud of that, of that statement, even though it was, it was just a statement, but mm. it was something that was like, took a very uh, long uh, amount of debate and discussion internally to come up with um, what we thought was the, most pragmatic and, uh, and I think ethical way to approach, uh, the possibility of a, of a, of a new dev fund.
0: Like had anybody like it, cause now, cause now I think this is sort of opening up this, this issue a little bit where there was this dev fund and it was going mm-hmm. to be potentially partly allocated to the foundation, partly allocated to the ECC, the foundation operating as this U S based nonprofit with certain rules and regulations and a board, and then the ECC not. So was it just like was there ever a proposal to do it all through the foundation?
2: Uh, I think so. I think in that statement we outright rejected the possibility of the foundation accepting all of the,
0: okay. the dev debt fund
2: because we didn't like. Uh, Did you know, it's, step in it's, it. <laughs> no, 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 no. Well, no, no, no. It's just like I, I think that the foundation, like the foundation's vision, was for that like multi sig governance model, and we didn't want to distribute power away just to reassemble it into a centralized okay. structure that was the foundation. Got right? It. Um So that was at least, especially from my perspective, not something that was, uh, th- you know, that we were willing to entertain um, at that point. And, and I don't think really ever, like, I think that, that whatever the result of the dev fund was, the foundation did not want to be the sole beneficiary. Um,
1: yeah. I think it, it totally makes sense that there should be checks and balances on anyone receiving anything right and it is obviously a problem and like especially when it's such a long period like here's a bunch of money to spend over four years i mean that could go anywhere you have no guarantees what it's going to result in whatsoever and so i i totally understand that i mean you could imagine structures that introduces checks and balances but then adds overhead but in this this um document that you talked about you outlined here are things that makes this acceptable to us, Mm -hmm. kind of. Mm -hmm. What is the document? Like, what would be the dream that takes it from this is acceptable to this is something good? This is what a good way of rewarding developers is.
2: Yeah, well, honestly, I I think the end result is pretty close to that. Um, Because the end result was, I did want to, there's just no time, but I did want to focus a little bit on... um, like what wound because there is a crisis within a crisis oh like, like an inception moment um but let me just to hint at, at that to hint at the answer to that question is like the end result i think was a good outcome for everyone involved it involved uh basically the same level of transparency that uh was required of the foundation is required of the ecc uh it demanded that that none of the uh, dev fund proceeds would go to any like future in- investors it was uh, of the ECC it was very clear that like it should only be rewarded it should only be not rewarded but like given as payment to people that are working on you know furthering the protocol and privacy tech and you know whatever operations are supplementary to that so it was not it was effectively like the end zip turned the ECC into a, a nonprofit. Practically, like wow. at least in the way that it's supposed to, it's supposed to operate, and that is like what the foundation wanted, um, and and what the community wanted. To be clear, I think like it's not not just like we harangued the ECC into making this. I think it's like the more that this was discussed, it the more it became clear that like that was a better model rather than like having a uh some kind of limited liability corporation that you know where where early investors get to uh, accrue more of the gains from protocol reward, which seems weird to me. Um, like, and, and it it sort of seems that's the problem fundamentally with any of these dev fund rewards is like, uh, when you're talking about accountability in like the business world, you're ultimately accountable to your bottom line, because if you aren't profitable, you won't survive as a business. Right. And the, the, the real danger with, I think a protocol reward without adequate um controls uh or adequate like transparency requirements or if 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 there is like no way to take away that reward there is literally no signal for that uh group uh you know if if they are a business like they if, if they're a business and they care about profit maximization then they're going to reduce their costs i'm not saying the ecc would do this but there is like this like uh, kind of um
0: it's like contradictory you know, almost like it would, yeah, it would yeah
2: work against itself somehow. It would work it would work yeah. like you would be like, okay, well, I I have a duty to my stakeholders, and that says that I should minimize my yeah. cost and get this free revenue and, you know, send it over to them. And now though, granted, like nonprofits with no shareholders, they they have, I think, sort of a similar problem, uh, in that like a lot of the times it just enriches the people that are High level, you know, high level at that mm. at those nonprofits, right? So it's not like that's that's a unique problem, but it's I think it's particularly acute to like the protocol reward directly to a for profit entity, yeah. Um, and and that's what's like that that is what the foundation I think came out, uh, you know, again against and and the end result after all of this, uh, you know, this these governance processes and this discussion and debate was uh, I I think like uh, ample amount of protection uh, and requiring the same level of, uh, transparency. And I actually like, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised because the ECC has said that they are interested in figuring out some way to convert to a nonprofit. Uh, so I, I wouldn't be surprised if they actually go, uh, go about and, and do that. That's cool. Um, yeah, yeah. But you just mentioned, so,
0: you just mentioned a crisis in a crisis. Oh, yeah, yeah. Can you yeah, talk so I, about what that was?
2: <laughs> yeah, of course. Of course. This is
0: like, so listen. So this. So we've we've sort of on, put the conclusion f- up front. We now know what yeah, happens. But yeah. We're gonna take a moment. We're gonna take a step back and learn how you <laughs> got there.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So uh, August 2019, we put that statement out. Lots of proposals start emerging for what people want to see in uh in the dev fund, and then out of the blue, um, the ECC uh, comes out and says, "Hey, you know that trademark agreement that we've been negotiating." We think it'd be great if it was like more parties to it, and oh, adding rather extra than just two, of two, yeah, oh. a- adding extra extra parties to it, and at least on the foundation side, we saw that as as like that was core to, to, you know, us being able to achieve legitimacy in the dev fund process. Was like we've been operating under the impression of this two of two multi sig being the uh, you know with the trademark being the predominant way for us to like uh to both establish legitimacy over the process and to exercise the foundation and community's voice in that process. And all of a sudden someone from the ECC says, now we're, we're going to add we want to add more people to it. Who are and the after people? A very, uh I mean, you know, Zuko. Uh so But it'll be like uh,
0: individuals as well as the two oh, oh, oh
2: no oh sorry sorry you mean the people that yeah. were zuko was the one that proposed this i don't know who the that was the weirdest thing is that oh. it was unclear like who the other parties would be okay um like and as yet established as yet unestablished third party now granted we now have a third party that's being established through the, the zip process and if they prove themselves out as like a uh, you know, a, a strong steward of the project, then maybe they can be added to that trademark agreement at some point. I mean, it's definitely out of my hands at this point, so yeah. who knows. Um, but, but at that but, time, but, like, it's, at that it's time, sent was, a there's,
0: wrench there's, into what your understanding oh, yeah. of, like, uh, yeah of the yeah, relationship
2: was. And, and, and not just my. I mean, literally across the community, everyone, I think, was, uh, uh, so Zcash Foundation board members, myself, uh, lots of community members were like, this was a promise that was made, uh, the community and the foundation is operating under the impression that this was going to be signed and executed on before a dev fund like decision was even going to be made by the community. And, Mm. um, and so what wound up happening is, you know, we were obviously, uh, I mean, we were upset, uh, about it and it was, it was certainly personally upsetting to me. Like Mm. that was, I think part of the personal toll that, uh, that felt like, pretty stark for me. But like, ultimately what wound up happening is the foundation uh, leveraged something. The only thing that we had at that point, which was uh, our reputation. Uh, And we, we said, we're not going to continue adjudicating the decision-making process for this dev fund until the ECC comes back to the negotiating table, reaffirms that we're having this two of two multi-sig agreement, and then we will restart the process that we said we were going to restart. And we made that like public statement and obviously, you know, made our counterparties probably a little upset. Um, And it delayed the decision making process quite a bit, you know, Uh, so we didn't really have a full, you know, dev fund agreement until February Mm. of this year, as opposed to like what I think people were expecting, like November or December. But yeah, it was, we did wind up like as a result of that public statement and, um, and us putting, pressing the pause button, uh, we did get a two of two multi-sig style trademark agreement where the foundation owns the mark and is bearing the costs of all of the trademark protection um, while the ECC has input into what defines Zcash. And if we don't have agreement, there's like an escalation um, and it's all, it's all like centered around um, community voice. I got to be honest though. Again, me as just an individual, not as a foundation member, I would 100% prefer there is no trademark agreement and there's no trademark whatsoever <laughs> by IP. I just don't – I don't like I, I don't like intellectual property so this, at all.
0: This is what I want to – I, I, I kind of want to ask you about like because you're yeah. wearing two hats all the time yeah. and this must be exhausting. Yeah. There was like you <laughs> as a community member who had – you know hawkish somewhat out like on a yeah, far end there. feelings sure. about a lot of this stuff and then at the yeah. same time having to represent and argue for kind of a middle
1: <laughs>
0: or yeah, i know some yeah. people might have called it conservative but like something far from your actual opinion
2: yeah and and you know um all due credit to my personal opinions i think it was that middle compromise you know perspective that led to a better outcome yeah you know to be honest like I, I think if, regardless of the outcome, to your specific question, yes, it was exhausting. Yes, I felt like a little bit out of body uh, and not in a fun way, <laughs> um, like in a way where I felt like I was uh, two people kind of battling with myself internally. And yeah. I had to, you know, because I I taking on the job was me taking on the job to represent um, the best interests of the foundation, of the project, of private money in general, and not like me as uh, having like personal views about how I wanted the – like what what I would view personally as ideal if I had like unilateral control mm. for everything, right? It's a hard thing to do and it's why I'm – it's one of the main reasons I'm not still there because I can't – I don't think I could keep doing it, yeah. you know? Um. Uh, and I think it's perfectly natural to like want to step away when that becomes like like too difficult to do.
0: I think uh, that's so common, and like a, not only in, you're in this kind of space, yeah. but you know when I when I was doing my startup and had to do excessive amounts of sales, which isn't my favorite thing to do. Uh, right. Definitely, like you had to wear a hat that didn't quite fit; felt kind of icky.
2: <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah. And and I never I never felt like truly icky about the way that the foundation, uh, acted or represented. Um, but I did feel like I wasn't fully myself, mm. you know? And, and I, I mean, I'm, I'm really grateful that I had the opportunity to do, uh, all of that work with all those, all the wonderful people that are now a part of the, the foundation and they're going to continue to do amazing work, without me, probably more effectively without me to be honest. Uh, um, uh, Because, you know, the, the other reason like that I left is like, I, that was a very like strained moment. Those negotiations, the fallout of those negotiations, I really feel like there's mutual trust that was lost. And I think there's like a divergence of perspective in how, you know, how, how these decisions should be made and as mm-hmm. I sort of alluded to earlier, and like I think it's it's like unfair it would have been unfair for me to like keep trying to like work in that environment and hold on to power when um I wouldn't ever really be that effective at being like a collaborative counterparty you know mm-hmm. um and uh i it's a better you know it's it's better for me to like recognize that and to take a step back and give the foundation an opportunity to truly like um, shine without some of that like baggage that was necessary to create in order to like represent the best interests of the Zcash community and to like push back on uh overreach I think by um uh, by the ECC uh but you know it was ultimately caused uh, caused some harm to my you know personal relationship with I think ECC management mm-hmm. um and uh and that's that's like that's normal I think in these sorts of things and I think it's it's just it's sometimes can be hard to recognize it um, and harder to even say like, oh, I should maybe step back and let someone else try it.
0: In the letter you wrote where you announced that you were leaving the foundation, you had this whole section, which was like advice to the community. Can you say something about that? Like, what what is your advice to the community?
2: Yeah, I, I, I mean, from my perspective, I, I will say that that advice was given uh, with the understanding that the Zcash community is already in a pretty good spot. You know, we've gone through uh, a fairly contentious but amicable governance process, and the result was predominantly positive. But I, I think there are things that Zcash and and other cryptocurrency communities can learn from other projects. Uh, and part of the crux of that letter was uh, that we, we should be learning those things, right? So um, I think just to try to summarize in the most succinct way possible. One of the greatest gifts that I think Satoshi Nakamoto ever gave the Bitcoin community was leaving, not letting that community fall under the spell of uh, a single you know charismatic founder uh, and and instead letting it organically grow and, and stand on its own you know two feet. Now, obviously, I mean I, I, I love Bitcoin. Uh, there are pluses and minuses to the way that the Bitcoin community currently works. <laughs> Um, but that action in and of itself was, I think, one of the strongest aspects of Bitcoin is that it is pretty much uh, like a leaderless, organically self perpetuating uh, cryptocurrency community. And that's a remarkable feat. Um, and I think that, you know, for me, what I really wanted when I was part of uh, the Zcash Foundation was, uh, I wanted to help guide the Zcash community to be closer to that ideal. And I, and I Mm -hmm. like to think that, you know, we've, um, you know, we've gotten closer to that. My perspective, especially as someone who was ostensibly a leader in the Zcash community is the fact that I, um, can leave. Right. And that, uh, and that there is a board that I was accountable to, uh, and that those structures exist, uh, is a really good thing. And it's the kind of example that I think should be set for other players in the Zcash ecosystem, but certainly for for broader uh, you know broader cryptocurrency projects as well.
0: Are there any sort of words of advice you'd also give to individuals in the community? I mean, I guess you are still an individual in the community. Oh, so. yeah,
2: yeah. Although I am, I am made. I've made a kind of commitment. You know, I'm going to vote. I think in the MGRC, uh, but that's going to be the extent of my voice in the community. I don't want. I really. I Want to do my best to take a a back seat. but I think if for for an individual Zcash community member, I, I will say like uh, to the extent that you feel like this tinge of skepticism about the way that something is happening uh, in in the community, you should pull at that thread, right? I I think that what made a large part of the debate for the dev fund um, really positive thing is that Zcash had very strong critics. That weren't trolls. I mean, there were certainly trolls too, but like those were seemingly filtered out and those strong critics came in um, and and really pushed, uh, I think, uh, people that held power in uh, that ecosystem to be more transparent and more honest. And I would challenge every individual Zcash community member to have that mentality and to try and, and pull those threads when they feel like, uh, you know, we f- feel like something might not be quite right or something someone isn't being totally honest or open, you know, um, mm. and and not to say that that's, you know, rampant in the Zcash ecosystem. I don't think that it is. But um, I do think that uh, it's important to question the people in power, uh, whoever you might be.
0: Cool. Yeah, And I think we'll put the letter. I mean, that that mm. was actually a really interesting letter that I that you tweeted and and shared on GitHub. And so we'll probably put a link to that in the show notes as well. Great. Great. It does sound like it's been quite a journey. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> three yeah. years just talking about that beginning yeah. and we've had a yeah. chance to we've seen you along the way like i remember you're f- you're you being beamed in for zcon zero because <laughs> you just yeah. had a baby
2: yeah, I, I just yeah like my yeah clara my my two-year-old now which is crazy to think that she's that old wow. um but i i do i i regret not being at zcon zero because it was the first you know, conference that I helped, uh, organize uh, organize for the And then I
0: remember you also on the stage at Seacon One, this legendary presentation where you came out with your turtleneck (laughs) (laughs) and Steve Jobs did or so well, but what, what I kind of forget, like what was, what was the, I I shouldn't say I forget because it was amazing. (laughs) I just, I was laughing a lot. Um, but what were you pitching right then? What was the story? I forget.
2: Oh, I think I think I was just talking about how privacy, like like,
0: oh yeah, yeah. all the
2: big tech oligarchs were were really uh, going to help us win privacy, yes. but in reality, they were yeah, not. They they were not. Um, yeah. Yeah, I definitely I definitely shat on Libra quite a bit. <laughs> oh, I think. Yeah, that
0: was it. <laughs> <laughs> which
2: yeah, which was really fun for me oh, to do that in like a Steve Jobs persona. It was very um, good. Yeah, it was it was real fun. You can probably expect I. I have to admit, one of the things I did before joining the Zcash Foundation, I don't know if y'all are familiar with PonziCo.win, but I wrote a white paper in May of 2017 that uh, it was accompanied by a Solidity smart contract oh that enabled God. anyone to invest in this brilliant new innovative scheme uh, yeah. where they would give me 50% of all money they invested in a Ponzi scheme that I created on Ethereum. <laughs> um, but i i I really enjoyed that. I really enjoyed writing that, and obviously very, very distinct from like that was a satirical art project and it it sort of like checked a number of boxes for me, not least of which is being quoted in Matt Levine's like Bloomberg uh finance uh column, which was a real big win for me personally um but it was it was something that like I really enjoyed doing it was a lot of fun for me and uh and I think now that I' am like taking a step back from doing anything serious uh I can kind of maybe revel a bit in that uh in that activity I enjoy doing it uh, quite a bit and I I really think like as productive and impactful as my serious professional time was with the Zcash Foundation I do feel like we as an industry kind of uh I mean there's there's trollishness right but then there's this also like self-seriousness about a lot of the projects that people are involved in where they um where they treat themselves too seriously and i think they like build the shield against the real lowest common denominator trolls and it's it's understandable but i also think it like limits perspective a bit so i'm mm-hmm. i'm looking forward to like engaging in a bit more of that kind of uh, uh maybe elevated satire i like to like nice. to consider it maybe we'll see
1: i guess that's a good wrap up uh we're about at time but yeah. uh you anyway, know what what is next aside from trolling twitter <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh and the podcast I mean, twan- which we need and to mention twa- <laughs> tw-
1: that's right yeah good
2: cross promo opportunity yeah um, <laughs> so uh yeah josh's dumb voice just follow me on twitter and you'll maybe see it occasionally. I don't really have any other mechanism <laughs> promoting
0: it. It's, um, but no, it's uh, the twodcast. It's, it's like twodcast. a one minute podcast that's released <laughs> that's right. purely on Twitter. It's very good.
2: Thank, thank you. Thank I you. would be a uh,
0: subscriber, yeah. but I don't know how to do that on Twitter. So no, nobody
2: does. That's the beauty of the format <laughs> is that nobody can possibly consistently <laughs> subscribe to it. Um, but no, I, I, I honestly, like, I don't know. I don't know what's next. I, I really like uh, as I as I sort of mentioned in my personal farewell le- letter. Um, I just want to take a bit of a break because I've been kind of working working my ass off for like six years, and I know there are lots of people that can do that for far longer, you know, periods of time. But at least for me, it's it's time for a little like pause. And yeah, I'm gonna probably write a lot more satire, and uh, I I suspect that I'm gonna stay in cryptocurrency. I I still am so. Enamored with the industry, and I am such a deep believer in private money too. Um, mm-hmm. That I, I, think that I, whatever I do, there's going to be some kind of support for for that. But you know, I, I'm giving, I'm making that a problem for future Josh, uh, and not <laughs> not, <laughs> not present, present Josh. Josh. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, but point. I really appreciate the opportunity to to come on here and and chat with y'all. Um, yeah. This has been really really fun. Well, uh, I'm so
0: glad we did get a chance to get yeah. you on and to talk about all of this and to talk about this adventure that you've been on. Um yeah. it sounds uh what's the word? I don't want to say herculean, but it sounds like it was <laughs> a personal journey of intense yeah. kind. And yes. uh, a lot of yeah. a lot of challenge, a lot of fun probably along the way too. Oh yeah,
2: yeah, absolutely. And I I know I said it before, but I'm I'm so proud of of the foundation as an entity um that really has like very little to do with me being there, just the people themselves that are part of that organization today and what they're going to to do going forward. Um, I, I am so excited for it because they're, they're a wonderful group of people and they're going to do great things. So um, uh, yeah, it was a great personal journey and I am very happy to take a bit of a breather and just uh, follow on and just watch my Twitter timeline with some popcorn in hand and, and really <laughs> just enjoy it from the spectator seats, you know?
0: Cool, cool. Well, thanks again for being on the
1: show. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Anna. Thanks, Frederick. Thank you very much.
0: And to our listeners, thanks for listening.
1: Thanks for listening.